me simply by way of introduction tell you how the Lord has brought me to this particular message. I was meeting with a man uh, and uh, someone here recently, and he told me that he was having a hard time forgiving. And I dare say that we all at times are faced with situations where we battle with unforgiveness or resentment or anger. It can lead to criticism. Maybe you're one of those persons where you're feeling yourself being critical or judgmental toward other people. Maybe you're battling some things that we call generational sins uh, or curses. Now, there are some good generational blessings that are passed down, but in addition, there's some generational curses and things that we have to deal with. And in fact, when I was talking with this particular individual, uh, they informed me that uh, their dad had problems with unforgiveness and anger and resentment as well. In fact, they went on a step further to tell me their granddad had difficulty in this area as well. And so I know, I promise you, I promise you there are people sitting here today, right here in this congregation that are battling with uh, things in your life, and not only that, but you know people that are battling with these issues. So please, I want you to get serious for just a moment. And I don't you, and, and I want the Holy Spirit of God to take what the Lord wants us to share today to be a blessing to you. And I believe uh, if you're not dealing with something that we're going to be talking about, certainly you know somebody that you can help in this regard. I had a person to come up to me not long ago. In fact, it was about two weeks ago. They said, uh, Pastor, do you believe that, uh, uh, that, that sometimes we can hear voices? Do you believe that sometimes our children hear voices? Do you believe uh, in the element of spiritual warfare? Now, Trust me, I would rather not preach a message like this. I'd rather just go to something else that's, uh, you know, encouraging and, and something celebratory and that sort of thing. But I'm convinced that uh, all of us are dealing with these types of issues. And so that's the reason God has placed on my heart a message. And if you want to need the title of it, it's this. Hogs in your house. Hogs in your house. And I'll explain what I mean by that in just a moment. But uh, uh, there, we're going to cover some areas of how do hogs get in your house? And then how do I get hogs out of my house? I mean, it's that simple. Hogs in the house. Hogs in the house. And we're going to look today at five ways that you can tell if hogs are in your house. And uh, five ways that we'll see, five steps to get hogs out of your house. Now, now, the hogs might not be in your literal house. Hogs might be in your mind or might be in your heart. And what I mean by hog, a hog's an unclean animal according to the Bible. And therefore, there are some unclean spirits we battle with from day to day. So I believe that we're dealing with some things I'm in my own life, and I'm convinced not just me but you as well, if you'll stop and think of certain things that you battle with or feelings that you have today, why do you feel prejudiced or why do you feel, uh, why are you seemingly uh, tempted in this particular area? It could be a generational sin or a generational curse and therefore we must deal with it, how the devil gets in our house. And so uh, the question is, uh, what area, even as a Christian, beloved, I don't think a Christian can be possessed 
by demonic activity. However, I do believe that Christians can be controlled by demonic activity, evil spirits, unclean spirits. And we're in a battle, and you rest assured uh, that every Christian is going to be battling not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so, as we think about this, what, what, what kind of holes that, I know you don't want to think about it, I know you really don't want to deal with these types of issues, but I think it'll help us, I really do, and not only that, but it'll help us to be able to help others to see there are hogs in the house. And how can we get these hogs out of our house? I want to invite you to turn to the book of Matthew's Gospel and turn to, please, chapter 12. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Uh, Luke also records this particular passage. And yet, Matthew, chapter 12, as you turn there, we're going to look at several verses of Scripture and this title, Hogs in Your House. And here's where we're going in the message as you're finding the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12. We're going to talk about, first of all, would you... Would you or will you allow hogs in your house? And then number two, how do hogs get in your house? And then number three, where do hogs hide in your house? And number four is how can you get hogs out of your house? And then number five, will you get the hogs out of your house? And will you help somebody else get hogs out of their house? And so... We're looking at the Matthews Gospel, chapter 12, Hogs in the House. And don't worry, I'll bring those uh, five uh, propositions in a moment. Matthews Gospel, chapter 12. Now, as we turn to Matthews Gospel, chapter 12, you're well aware of the fact that Matthew is uh, one who is a tax collector. Jesus said, follow me. And he did indeed. He left uh, uh, being a tax collector and followed our Lord. And not only that, but he portrays our Lord Jesus in his gospel as the king of the Jews. Now we come to this 12th chapter of the gospel of Matthew. Our Lord has already launched out in his, what we call his earthly ministry. Now he's in an area called Capernaum. It's up in the north part of Israel near the Sea of Galilee. And he, we come to this uh, particular chapter, chapter 12, uh, just summarizing as we get ready to read in chapter 12, the disciples are hungry. They glean uh, corn on the Sabbath. It was a no-no as far as the Pharisees were concerned. Uh, they were uh, very strict and legalistic in many regards concerning the law, 613 plus. And Jesus said that, that God had made the Sabbath for him, not uh, for man. And so uh, now we come to chapter 12. And I want to draw your attention, please, to verse 22. Verse 22, if you'd like to stand and read the wonderful Word of God, you can. I want to skip down from chapter 12, verse 22, to chapter 12, verse 28, 29, and 30, and then we'll come to the further part of chapter 12. Hogs in the house. What do you do with hogs in the house? And uh, we come to chapter 12 of the book of Matthew. If you're there in verse 22, would you say amen? amen. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil. Blind and dumb, and he healed him. That was brought to Jesus. He healed him. And inasmuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And then the Lord goes on, to talk a little bit about a kingdom divided against itself. He says, now, how can Satan cast out Satan, basically? 
Look down in verse 29. Or else, the Lord says, how can one enter, verse 29 of chapter 12, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Now, he begins to talk about the blessing of the Holy Spirit to attribute the work of uh, uh, God to the devil. And some define that as to speak hurtfully toward the Holy Spirit. Uh, some reference that as uh, just sin, simply a sin of unbelief. But he goes on to talk about this uh, unforgivable sin. But now skip down, please, to verse number 43. Now the Pharisees come and they're looking for a sign in verse 20. I'm sorry, verse 38, the Pharisees are wanting a sign. And, and so the Lord Jesus is beginning to talk with them about a sign, namely that Jonah's in the belly of the great uh, fish, the whale, he, Matthew's gospel says, verse uh, 40, and he says he'll be in the heart of the earth as comparing with Jonah. Now look verse 43, please. Verse 43, and when the unclean spirit, notice, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. And then he said, I will return into my house. Hogs in the house. Hogs in the house. I will return into my house. We're talking about an unclean spirit. I didn't write this. The Lord did. He said, an unclean spirit will go back to his house. He said, I will return un into my house, verse 44, from whence I came out, and when he come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. It's not replaced with anything. It's just religious, you understand. You might use that as a term. And then he goeth, then goeth he, and taketh with him this unclean spirit, seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. Father, thank you. Your word is alive. I thank you it's a light into our path. It's a lamp into our feet. I thank you that it's like a fire that shut up in our bones like Jeremiah said of old. I thank you it's like a hammer that breaks into pieces. And the entrance of thy word giveth light, as the psalmist said. It's like a sharp twisted sword, your word says, able to cut and pierce bone and marrow. It's forever settled in heaven. And Lord, I thank you and praise you. You said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. And I thank you, God, for the good soil that you brought here today. Lord, as we sow the seed, I pray the seed will fall on good ground. And that, God, the birds, the fowls, the dirty birds of the air will not steal away the seed. And, dear Lord, the thorns and thistles will not grow up and choke out the life of your word. And then the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches, as you compare that, or the shallow roots of the seed will not be scorched and, and destroyed because of the intense persecution that comes uh, our way. But God, it fall on good ground. And that, Lord, you'd give us receptive hearts and you'd give us open minds and you'd give us willing and yielded spirits to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Father, we don't have to look very far and take very long to see that people are troubled and that God, the demonic influences and evil spirits are real. And, and yet I thank you that the elect angels are real too. And you said the angel of the Lord encamp around and about them that fear him. 
I bless you, Father, for the weapons of a warfare. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through you to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God against you and bringing the captivity of a thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, Lord, I know that other people are dealing with this. I know other parents are dealing with this. I know other grandparents are dealing with this. I know, dear God, Christians are dealing with the deception and delusion and, Father God, the demonic activity that's very evident in our world and in our nation and even in the midst of our communities. I pray, Father, you'd help us not to be ignorant of Satan's devices, but God, you'd put your armor on us and clothe us, Father God, as soldiers of the cross that we might know our enemy and know the weapons of our warfare against the enemy. So, Father, get glory today. And I pray, Father, strongholds will be broken. And, God, our Father, the blood of the Lamb of God will be applied to our mind and our bodies. And, dear Lord, your church. And, and Father, even as we prepare to open up the doors to our community to share the gospel, we know the enemy would not like that. But we thank you that God our Father Jesus Christ is Lord and you have stripped and spoiled principalities and powers and made a public open display of them, trumpeting over them in it. So, Father God, help us not to fall asleep, but stir our hearts, Lord. Call us to the front line. Help us to see there's a cause for our children and our grandchildren. And, dear Lord, the battle that's going on in the minds of men, women, boys, and girls today. And we ask now, uh, for your glory to be seen. And I ask you to cleanse my heart of every sin, of omission, commission, and God, that you would release your power. And Father God, you'd help us, Lord, to stand, and having done all to stand. And we give you glory now because you're worthy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. And all God's people said, amen. I'm glad that you're not cutting me off right now on this subject. Because this is a very important subject. Again, I'm not sure what you're battling with these days, but I can tell you this, if you're serving the Lord, you're going to be battling some unclean spirits. And so here's where we're going today in the message. Number one, if you'll notice, uh, these are the questions that the Lord put on my heart to share today as we study together. Will you allow hogs in your house? Number one, will you allow hogs in your house? Number two, how do you get hogs out of your house? Or how, well, rather, how do you get how do hogs get in your house? Not, we'll come to how do you get hogs out of your house in a moment. But but how do hogs get into your house? How do they get in your mind? How do they how do they get into your family? And then number three, uh, notice where do hogs hide out in your house? Number four, how do we get hogs out of your house? And then number five, whether you're dealing with this or somebody else, I believe this is going to be an encouragement to you. And this is going to help us all to understand that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Number one, will you allow hogs in your house? Will you allow hogs in your house? Now again, I want you to draw your attention to this text, Matthew 12 and 29. Notice what our Lord said in regards to the Pharisees claiming that he had cast out this demon by the power of Beelzebub. And the Lord said something very important. Did you see what he said in verse 29? He said, how can one enter in a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind? Notice the Greek meaning of the word bind. To fasten, to tie as with chains, as an animal tied to keep from leaving. 
How can a man come into the strong man's house and spoil his good, take what he has, except for he first tie or bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? And so the question is, how, will, you allow, will you allow these unclean spirits in your house? Now, I want to just simply draw your attention to two thoughts. Number one, uh, hog, a hog is an unclean animal. And that's where I derive the, the correlation, the similarities of a hog and an unclean spirit. Will you allow hogs in your house? And how do they get in your house? Will you allow them in your house? Well, notice, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do a little humor here. Uh, didn't you notice uh, bacon is not done yet? Uh, don't you know the mamas were, uh, this mama was probably terrified seeing uh, this precious little girl uh, kissing a hog. But, but would you allow a hog in your house? I doubt it very seriously that we would allow hogs in our house. In fact, I heard about a husband and wife, and the husband and wife were talking, and the husband uh, said to the wife and said, uh, uh, said, well, uh, we got some hogs outside. Said, uh, said uh, why don't we just let one of them come inside? And the wife said to the husband, but what about the smell? And the husband said, well, he'll get used to it after a while. You'll have to think about that for a minute. How, how do hogs get in our house? How, how do they get in our house? And uh, will you allow them to get in your house? I believe, number two, how do hogs get in your house? If you look at verse 29 and 30 of the text one more time, you'll find out that the hogs somehow, they're unclean, they're unclean animals and unclean spirits are all around us. The Bible tells us that and we're, there's no, it's not a, a mystery to say the least. Verse 30, notice verse 30. Jesus said, he that is not with me is against me and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. And so, how do hogs get in our house? You know, uh, we can look at the Bible and see, for example, in the book of Mark, chapter 5, there was a madman that was turned into a glad man. Uh, the Lord tells us through Mark's gospel that there was a man who was wild and was possessed with a legion of demons, and that means about 6,000. And this wild man who was up in the mountains, the tombs, and cutting himself, shrieking and shrilling, and no one wanted anything to do with this wild man. And thus when Jesus shows up, Jesus has power over demons, I'm glad to tell you. And so the Lord said to the, this glattering demoniac over there on the other shores of the Sea of Galilee, he said to the demons, come out of that man. And the Bible says that man sat clothed in his right mind. Now, you don't have to think very long, I believe, and you can probably rest assured, you look at our world, you look at our families and know that there is some real demonic activity. Somebody say amen. I need somebody to help me because I know initially when we start talking about a subject like this, the enemy will try to divert your attention. The enemy will try to get you focused on something else. And by the way, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So don't be pointing to them or them. We understand these are, uh, these are unclean spirits. These are evil spirits that I'm referring to today and we're talking about things that we're battling that sometimes we can't seem to uh, understand what we're up against. And I'm going to hopefully by the Holy Spirit give you some ways to combat and engage the enemy. Praise the Lord, there's victory in our Lord Jesus. 
But not only in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, we've, we find some more insight about these unclean spirits over in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And by the way, do you believe that unclean spirits can play havoc on a person's body? That's exactly right. I'm not saying all physical ailments are related to demonic activity. I don't believe that. However, I am saying there is some that can be related to demonic activity. I would not have believed that or known that had I not have read the Word of God, namely chapter 13 of the book of Luke. And we find in the book of Luke chapter 13, by the way, Luke's a physician. I think he knows what he's talking about. And he says this, there was a woman bent over with a curvature of the spine. How long? 18 years. And uh, she couldn't get any help. You can read it to check this out and see if this is not verifiable. And you know what the Lord Jesus did? The Bible says he put his hands on her. I like that. He, he, he put his hands on her and he said to her, woman, thou art loosed. And the demons had to come out. The Bible teaches there Jesus said Satan had had her bound down. I find that very intriguing to say the least. Satan had her bound down. And so Jesus said, woman, thou art loosed. So we find other passages, for example, in the book of Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, the defeated disciples, they're discouraged. They'd just come off the mountain, namely the Mount of Transfiguration. Our Lord had been glorified, transfigured before their very eyes. It's also recorded in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. At any rate, the disciples are discouraged. Why? I'll tell you why. Because a boy was demon-possessed, wallowing and foaming at the mouth, and they did not have the power to help that boy. I see a generation right now that's powerless. You know why we're powerless? Because we're prayerless. I believe the power comes through prayer. And if we don't start engaging the enemy, more and more people are going to be duped and deceived by demonic activity. But I've got good news for you. We've got the truth, praise God, and the truth shall set us free. It's high time the blood bought, the blood washed. Stop running from the enemy and take a stand and say, Bless God, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. There's still power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when the blood of the Lamb is lifted up in the name of Jesus and the Word of God has to go forth, demons have to run. That's right. That's exactly right. So therefore, we don't have to be intimidated or fearful. But remember now, Michael the archangel dare not bring accusation against the devil when he was disputing about the bodies of Moses. Rather, Michael, Michael was a strong archangel. Michael said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Here's the bottom line. Don't you try to rebuke the devil. Huh? For example, you know what will happen? I'm fast forwarding. I'll come back to Mark 9. But you know what happened in the uh, Scripture in the New Testament, the new early church? Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 19, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 8. Go back to, for a moment, Acts chapter 19. You know what happens? There's seven sons of Sceva. These were gypsies. These were fortune tellers. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to cast out demons. And they were, uh, they were uh, you know, trying to... To, to remove these demons from these people. And, and the Lord said in Acts 16, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And you know what those demons did? They jumped out of that man and jumped on those seven sons of Sceva and they beat them up. They beat them up and they ran out half naked because of the demonic activity. 
And this is real, beloved. Uh, we're not talking about some fairy tale here. We're not talking about something far-fetched over in the remotest jungles of Africa. We're talking about, and God bless Jasper County. We're talking about uh, how these uh, things can be passed down from generation to generation. There's some of us today need to take a stand. I said there's some of us today that know where we're at in this matter and we don't know how to deal with it. We're not sure if we can ever get victory. I came to tell you there's victory in Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Now back to Mark chapter 9. In the gospel of Mark chapter 9, these disciples are defeated and discouraged. Again, uh, prayerless Christians become powerless Christians. What about your prayer life? Is your prayer life what it ought to be? Is my prayer life what it ought to be? You and I are no match for the supernatural forces of darkness. And therefore, uh, these disciples were discouraged. Now, secondly, if you'll notice in Mark chapter number 9, the daddy was down in the dumps. The daddy was down in the dumps. Why was the daddy down in the dumps? Because his boy was demon-possessed. I see a very parallel in our culture right now. Why are these people doing this? Why aren't they following God? What in the world's wrong with them? What's in their mind? It looks like something's controlling them. What's going on? You can't put your finger on it. You can't understand it. You can't explain it. But I'm telling you, God says this is what's going on. Because uh, this deadly demon was destroying this boy. Jesus lets us know that through Mark. That's in Mark chapter 9. All I'm doing is giving you, painting you a background of the activity of wicked and unclean spirits. Hogs in your house. Don't let hogs come in your house. And so we come to the text here. And by the way, you know, everybody knows a hog, and you've seen a hog. You know what you can do that old hog? You can, you can take that old hog right there. You can put an old hog in your house. You can put him on the table and feed him with a silver spoon. Why, you can put a gold ring in his snout, that old hog. You can put him uh, and uh, you can put a little old pink ribbon around his neck and you can let him lie down on satin sheets in your house. But you know what's going to happen when you let that hog out of the house. You know what's going to happen when you open the door. That hog's going to head for a hog pen. Why? He's going to go for the mud. Why? Because that's a hog. And that's his nature to be a hog. And until his heart is changed, he's going to always be a hog. I want to tell you there's some of us that maybe some of the people we're dealing with aren't really sheep, but rather they're lost and the devil's got a hold of them. And we think they ought to act like uh, and live like Christians. May I suggest to you that Jesus said you've got to be born again. Except for a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, and so God changes the heart. I'm glad to tell you, God changes the inside first and then the outside. And so maybe you're dealing with some stuff. And I know you don't want to admit it. And I know that, that we'd rather, you know, just kind of explain it away and all of that. But anyway, hogs in the house. And so, question, how do hogs get in your house? How do they get in your house? Two ways. Number one, an unlocked door. An unlocked door. I'll tell you how they get in. An unlocked door. They'll just come right through the door. <laughs> I like what a little boy said. Uh, he said to his daddy, he said, Daddy, what do I do if the devil comes knocking on the door? And daddy said, Son, send Jesus to the door. I want to tell you, the devil, if he don't have you already, that is the demon forces. Listen to me. If the demon forces of hell are not after you right now, you must not be doing anything for God. They've already got you. 
But if you are serving the Lord, if you are making a difference, if you are taking a stand, if you are not ashamed of the gospel, if you are a soldier of the cross, I want to tell you, we are going to be in spiritual warfare. Therefore, we need to know what our weapons are against the enemy. And we need not be passive over the subject we're talking about today. Paul addressed this in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. It's not your armor. It's not my armor. It's his armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Is there anybody here that needs to get to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, you know, I've been under attack for a long time, and, and I've just been hit from the blind side. And, and Lord, I have absolutely uh, forgot about engaging the enemy today. You need to say, God, I recognize that, uh, that I'm to put on the whole armor of God. And then he said, uh, take the breastplate of righteousness and the loins good about with truth and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking up the shield of faith. Listen to me. Y'all listen to me. How many believe the devil's a liar? Uh, if you don't believe that, look over in John chapter 8 and verse 44. The devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. And I want to tell you, the devil's lying to us all the time. Demon forces are lying and saying, you don't, nah, God's not really like this. And you don't have to be, nah, you don't have to listen to that. You can do this and get by with it. And by the way, nobody ever know. And, and not only that, but the devil's a great deceiver. Jesus made it clear in Matthew's gospel, chapter 24, in regards to the Olivet Discourse there would be some signs prior to his coming in glory and power. Deception was one of those signs. It's mentioned in verse 4. It's mentioned in verse 5. It's mentioned in verse 11. It's mentioned in verse 24. Deception, deception, misleading. And, and brother and sister today, I don't have to tell you, we're living in a world where we don't know what's right and what's wrong hardly. We don't know who's telling the truth, who's telling a lie. But God said we're to test the spirits, see whether they be of God or not. First John chapter Four and verse one, believe it not every spirit, beloved, believe not every spirit, but test the spirit, see whether they be of God or not. That's the way we discern right and truth from error. I tell you, that's a more reason for us to know the word of God, know the Lord Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so these unclean spirits, a door unlocked and the enemy just come right in. You know how else an enemy get in your house? Hogs in the house. You know how else? I'll tell you how else. Uh, lose your keys. You just lose your keys, and the enemy of buddy, he'll find the keys. He'll find somehow to get in your house. He'll just come in and kill, steal, and destroy. He's no respect to the person. And if he can, watch this, if he can pass down from generation to generation ways, watch this, to mar our testimony, none of us are exempt from this. We're all in this spiritual battle. Hey, and that's the much more, y'all listen now, that's much more the reason I need you to pray for me and I need to pray for you. Today, we need to pray for each other because we're not in this battle alone. The battle's the Lord's, praise God. And so, so how do they get in our house? They just slip right in. And I'll tell you how they get in. Notice verse number 30. Look at verse 30 of the text, Matthew 12. He that's not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. What does that mean? He that's not with me, he scattereth abroad. Uh, the Lord's saying this in the text. Notice right up here. He that's not with me is against me, and he that gathers not with me is scattered abroad. Now, now I know we're living in a politically correct culture that 
uh, doesn't want to acknowledge these spiritual truths. However, we, the blood-bought, blood-washed church, understand that the Word of God is true. And therefore, let God be true and every man a liar. And, and so, he is not with me, is against me. I didn't say that, the Lord did. Think about what he's saying. He that is not with me is against me. Wow, you mean, wait a minute. You mean, you mean I can, I can kind of be for him and kind of not be against him? No. He said, you can't be a fence straddler. You can't straddle a fence. You're either with him or you're against him. He that is not with me is against me, and gathereth not with me, scatter the wrong. And so I believe this is an area where the enemy is working overtime, deceiving people, thinking they're with the Lord. But thinking that they can live a double lifestyle, thinking that they can, you know, and, and that, uh, and, and again, I, I don't personally believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. However, I do believe evil spirits, unclean spirits, and I battle with spiritual warfare a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. And in fact, uh, preaching a message like this, I can assure you the devils and the demons of hell aren't going to be happy. Why? Because the truth shall what? Set you free. And you'll know it and it'll set you free. And the enemy knows when we come knocking on his door and saying you've had this ground long enough. You've deceived this person long enough. You've held them captive long enough. It's time to loose them. It's time to break the chains of the enemy. The enemy's intimidated. But I'm telling you, praise God, greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. And so be encouraged, soldier. I know you're tired and you're weary. Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep giving out. And so uh, tell me today, are you with the Lord? Or are you just kind of fence straddling? You want to fence straddle? The enemy will come right in. And a toehold will lead to a foothold. And a foothold will lead to a stronghold. A stronghold, by the way, is a fortress. A stronghold is a citadel. A stronghold is a castle. And the enemy starts working on our mind, you know, and, and, and mind. And, and, and the enemy starts building that castle in our mind. Is a man thinking in his heart, so is he. That's what Solomon said in Proverbs 23 and verse 7. And that's why we're to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. So are you fence straddling? Are you all the way for God? Maybe today you say, you know, I've sensed the enemy has really been playing havoc on my mind and, and lying to me, and I'm tired of the enemy being on my back. I want to say, in the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. And thank God he's got to do it. Thank God he's got to do it. Number one, will you allow hogs in your house? Number two, how do hogs get in our house? Number three, where do hogs hide in our house? Where do hogs hide in our house? I want you to look at verse 43 and 44, please, of the text again. Notice, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. Notice, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Jesus doesn't say he's cast out of the man. He said he just simply comes and goes. Do you believe that uh, evil spirits, unclean spirits, they just come and go? And apparently this seems to be the inference here that uh, uh, evil spirits have access to come and go now this is I'm going somewhere with this thought all right hang with me notice verse 43 the unclean spirit is gone out of a man he walketh through dry places seeking rest and he findeth none so what does he decide he, then he says I will return unto my house hogs in the house 
He said, I'll return to my house from whence I came out. He came out of it. He wasn't cast out of it. He wasn't ejected out of it. He just simply left on his own. Oh, really? Yeah. And so when he's come, he findeth it swept and empty and swept and garnished, cleaned up. You know what I see right there? I see people that come to church. I really do. I see people that come to church, and it looks like they're really getting right with God. They'll come and sit for a few Sundays. They'll hear the Word of God. And it seems like God is really working in their life. But deep down inside, they got a no trespassing sign. No trespassing. No Holy Spirit. You're not going to trespass in this area. I'll listen and I'll smile and I'll be cordial. But, but, uh-uh. I'm not about to let you have that ground, Holy Spirit. I'm not about to let Jesus have that ground in my life. You give the devil an inch, he'll take a mile. And see, what happens is people will sit under the Word of God. They might come six months, a year, whatever, and kind of, you know, appearance on the outside looks like, oh, boy, they got it. And really, they're just getting reformed. Really, they just kind of clean up their act. They want to look like a Christian, dress like a Christian, act like a Christian, but not have Christ in you. How many know that it takes Christ in you to be a Christian? It's not the outward profession, it's the inward possession. And so what happens is, is a person will sit and they'll, they'll enjoy the music and they'll enjoy maybe being in the house of God. They'll sense the presence of God, the peace of God. They'll sense something's different about this place. They'll sense that God is here. They'll like that, but they'll really not repent. They'll really not get their heart right with the Lord. They'll just kind of clean up a little bit. They'll start listening to Christian music, you know what I mean? I mean, they'll start uh, uh, carrying their Bible maybe with them, and they'll start engaging in conversation about the things of God. I was talking to a man yesterday. I was down. I was at a uh, jail, a prison, yesterday, and, uh, and this gentleman was telling me that they are having Bible study in this particular jail. And I said, well, praise the Lord. Amen. It's a wonderful ministry, but I've had the privilege of being in prison ministry for a number of years about, I think, uh, seven or eight years before we moved up here, and then we had a group of our men going to different prisons and reaching out, sharing the gospel with them. And uh, I've I've noticed this by observation. People will tell you what they want you to hear. I won't say that again. People will tell you what they want you to hear. They'll tell you what they want you to hear to get you off their back, and especially if you've preached to them already, they know what you're going to say. And, and so they're already ready. They've got their guns loaded, and you know what I'm talking about. And, and so, but, but there's a danger right here, beloved, sitting in church, listening to the Word of God, and not obeying God, not following through what God tells you to do. There's a great danger right here of just giving lip service, of just intellectually agreeing with what's being said without letting God volitionally change our hearts, that we'd repent and confess our sin, and that we would break free from any and all demonic activity in our life. If we leave the, uh, leave the door open to the enemy, he's going to come in and kill, steal, and destroy I think we get to the point where we're so used to coming to church that we just come because it's the thing to do. And we hear the Word of God, and it's kind of like eating a, a smorgasbord. I like that. I don't like that. I like that. I don't agree with that. I like that. And we leave, and all we do is smorgasbord approach when the Bible is being taught. Instead of, uh, who was it? Samuel said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice and to hearken to the fat of lambs. Jesus said, why call me Lord? and do not the things I say do. Obedience, obedience, obedience. God, where have I opened the door? Where hogs have come in the house? Who do I know? 
So where the hogs hide in the house? Notice what he said. He said they'll leave and then they'll come. How many know that if you don't replace that unclean spirit that's gone out walking in dry places, he finds it sweat and garnish and he goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than himself. What happened to so-and-so? Man, they were coming to church for a while. They used to come to church. Now, what's going to happen to them? Right here, that's what's going to happen to many. Not all, but this is what's happened to many. I'm not, I'm just telling you, this is the word of God, folks. Now, not all, granted. There's some who are backslidden, some who are lukewarm, some who are just out of the will of God. I'm not denying that. But I am saying this, that uh, many really didn't get right with God to begin with. And then we wonder, well, where's uh, so-and-so and and what happened to them? Why the, you know, uh, I can't tell a person's heart. You can't tell a person's heart. But I'm telling you this, the Lord is telling us, where do, where do these hogs hide out in our home? I'll tell you where they hide out in our home, right there. Muddy places. Hogs love mud. Hogs love mud. Why? It cools their skin off. It's hot outside, and they get in the mud, and they water in the mud. And, and I want to tell you something. Where do hogs hide out in our home? Notice, number one is, will you allow hogs in your home? Two, how do hogs get in their home? Three, where do hogs hide out in our home? You know as well as I do, the enemy doesn't care what vehicle he gets in our home as long as he gets in. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not extreme. I've got a television. I know there's people say, you know, they think if they don't have a television, then they're going to be sin-free. You know, that's not going to happen. Now, I, I know there's a bunch of junk on it, and I, therefore I don't really watch it other than the news here and there. But I'm saying this. The enemy can come through the television set. The enemy can come through movies. The enemy can come through the Internet. The enemy can come through music. Hello. You know, so-called innocent music. Uh, I just listen to this stuff right here. It's rebellious. Hello. It's instigating rebellion. It's stirring up demons of hell. I mean, we just think that's cute and it's all right. And it's just a younger generation thing. Really? Come on. Let's get real. Come on. Let's get real. Now, you say, Pastor, you're being extreme. I know it because this subject is very extreme. <laughs> it demands extremism. Why? Because uh, if you're uh, serving the Lord and in your ministry, you know what I'm talking about. We can't be the enemy's friend. We've got to declare war on the enemy. Somebody say amen. And if you're not declaring war on the enemy as a parent, then you've been deceived. You've got your head stuck in the sand. Grandparents, same, same likeness. And so as a church, we need people standing up. The, uh, so the enemy will just, just come in and just uh, find a good place. Don't just cleanse your mind. Fill it back with Jesus. See, some people, you know, back a while back, you remember when they said, say no to drugs? How many remember that? Say no to drugs? Well, I say no to drugs, but hey, if you say no to drugs and you don't say yes to Jesus, you're opening the door for more demonic activity in your life. Just saying no to drugs isn't going to be the answer. How many know you've got to say yes to Jesus? And if you don't say yes to Jesus, all you do is clean it up. All you do is sweep it out. All you do is make it religious for seven of our demons to come in and dwell. And the latter end is worse than the beginning. This is the Bible. This is what we're up against today. This is our culture, what we're talking about. So don't just, what about your mind? How many need to say, dear God, and all of us at times, things happen, we see things, we hear things, and man, I don't know about you, but buddy, those thoughts will lodge in your mind. They'll lodge in your heart. How many know what I'm talking about? I know you don't want to be honest today. I know I'm stepping on toes. I know this is a, a, a searching message, but I'm telling you, you know it as well as I do. 
Why aren't we more spirit-filled? Why aren't we more on fire for God? Why aren't we more uh, concerned about lost people, soul winning and all? Well, there's a number of reasons, but I think this reason could be very well. So how do you get hogs out of your house? Hogs in the house. Notice verse 22. Go back to verse 22. Look what the, the Lord said here through Matthew. He said, Then was brought one unto him, one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, inasmuch the blind and the dumb spake and saw. Can I suggest to you, how do you get hogs out of your house? Well, let me go back. How do you get hogs out of your house? Number four, you bring them to Jesus. That's how you do it. You bring them to Jesus. That's how you do it. You bring them to Jesus. Now, some of us who got grandchildren and we'll be able to bring our grandchildren to vacation Bible school, I praise the Lord for it. Man, I, these, I, the hour's late. The time is short. And brother and sister, if we don't get them the Word of God, I'm not just talking about, you know, a little milk. I'm talking about we got to get our children and grandchildren in the Word of God to build them up to face this wicked and perverse culture of ours. Y'all don't sense the urgency like I do? You can't just go along and just think, oh, well, we'll play a little religious. No, we better really, really, really get them in the Word of God, build them up in a biblical worldview because they're going to face everything anti-biblical when they get out in the world, college and work world. You know what I'm talking about. If we don't prepare them the best we can with the Lord's help, they're playing catch-up, playing catch right? Absolutely. So what do we do? We're battling not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Let me give you five words, and then I'll be done. Five words, and I'll be done. You ready for these? Number one, how do we get hogs out of our house? Number one, you've got to recognize hogs are in your house. Now, I know this is a bitter pill to swallow right here. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit it. Well, man, I've had that. I've had this pumping in my home for a long time. I've had this book a long time. I've listened to this music a long time. You know, it's, it's difficult to, the enemy's going to be uh, manipulating, trying to stay. You've got to understand that. The enemy's not going to want to leave on his own free will. He's got to be sent out in the name of Jesus. You've got to recognize, recognize. There, there's some hogs in the house. Maybe there's some hogs in the grandchildren. Maybe they've been dabbling. And I'm not saying panic. I'm just saying we need to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. I'm saying this. We need to be like men of Issachar, understanding the times in which we're living. And not just, you know, go along with the religious world and just kind of, you know, just be religious and everything will be okay. I skip in and skip out and, you know, oh, preacher, he's getting real extreme on this stuff. Well, realize it, number two, repent. That is right. I mean, God, I need to change your heart. If we've been compromising in some areas, repent. It's not a big thing. You know, it is a big thing, but I mean, hey, repent. God, I, I need a change in my life. I've been entertaining these thoughts. I've been letting some things consume my mind. I've been dabbling in the occult. You know, I've been reading the horoscopes in the paper. You see, look, the enemy's real, and the enemy don't care how he comes into your life. And you might think you know more than God, but I'm trying to lovingly tell you that uh, the enemy uh, will carry you down the wild and the broad gate. So repent. And then number three, not only uh, re recognize and repent, but number three, renounce, renounce. And here's what we've got to do. When we harbor bitterness in our heart, when we're willing, uh, unwilling to forgive, notice what Paul said. He said, he said in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, verse 26, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. 
Interesting, he talked about anger and wrath, and he talked about giving the place to the devil in the same two verses. And then he said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. This is one area that now, so we just opened the door. I know I'm a Christian. I know I go to church, but you don't know what they've done. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know how I feel. And we get so sophisticated about it in our generation. We know how to look good on the outside, but deep down inside, we're resentful, we're hurt, we're mad, we're bitter. And, uh, and, and if we're not careful, we open the door wide open for the demons, the unclean spirits, to come and then to play havoc in our mind. Our, I don't know why I'm feeling this. I don't know why I'm, man, I'm so angry and I, I hate them. I can't stand them. Why? I'm, I know I don't need to hate anybody, but I hate them. Why? What, what's going on? Well, we've got to renounce it. God, I know this isn't right. I, I, you know, I, I, you, you can't just... Uh, you know, embrace either you're gathering or scattering. I, I've got to renounce this. God, I know this isn't right, and I've got to renounce it. Number four, reclaim the ground. Reclaim the ground. God, bring back the ground in my mind. I'm preaching today a very, again, heart-searching message that I think every Christian needs to hear. Every granddad needs to hear. Every grandma needs to hear. Every dad needs to hear. Every mom, every teenager needs to hear. And, and listen to it again. Get the tape, whatever you got to do. And, and of course, I'm leading up to something here in a moment when I close, and it's not only to renounce and to reded, reded, uh, reclaim, but then rededicate your mind. Rededicate, Lord. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Lord, I don't want the devil to have my mind as a playground. I don't want, I don't, and, and you know, entertainment, Christian entertainment today. Listen to me, Christian entertainment. You got to watch a lot of that mess too. Can I use that word mess? It's not a good word. But you got to watch all that stuff too. Christian entertainment. Why? You know why? Because they mock God. And they mock the biblical role of a Christian home. And it's so subtle. We just sit there and laugh. No wonder Paul talked about that. Laughing, being, uh, you know, over uh, stuff such as that. We got to be careful about that, beloved. You say, well, preacher, you're getting too extreme. Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. Amen. Hey, last but not least, will you get the hogs out of your house and will you help someone else get the hogs out of your house? Will you get them out of your house and will you help somebody else? Get, you say, but pastor, as far as I know, uh, I don't know of any doors that are open. I don't have any keys out that I know of. I guarantee you there'll be somebody you know that's got uh, battling with unclean spirits. Let's stand together, can we, today?